Goat guns are GOAT. Our miniature gun models will make you the center point of attention. Display them at your office desk, bookshelf, or man cave. Collect and customize goat guns to your own liking. Each goat gun model has intricate parts that snap together to assemble. Start your next hobby addiction at GoatGuns.com. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Ariel Helwani Basketball Show. Very excited about today's episode. We are talking to one of the greatest basketball studio analysts of all time. He was a pretty damn good player as well. He's Kenny the Jet Smith, of course, won two NBA championships with the Houston Rockets in 1994 and 1995. And then, you know, after his playing days were done, transitioned over to the world of television and has been a part of of the great Inside the NBA team for the last two-plus decades, along with the legendary Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley, and Shaquille O'Neal. In my opinion, the greatest studio team of all time, the greatest sports studio show of all time. I guess I should say North America because that's where I live, but uh, you know, I feel like I watch a lot of global sports and nothing comes close to what these guys have done, especially for as long as they have done it. And so they all play their role and they do a great job. And what a time it is to talk to Kenny Smith because wouldn't you know it, he's got a book that came out this week. Yes, it's called Talk of Champions, Stories of the People Who Made Me. And it's about, quite simply, uh, all his interactions and great stories with the legends that he has been around throughout his career. The likes of Michael Jordan, who he was a teammate with at North Carolina. The likes of Bill Russell, who coached him while he was a member of the Sacramento Kings back in the day. The likes of Dean Smith and Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley. Just tremendous stuff from a guy who has lived quite the life, especially in basketball. Um, Some great advice, some great stories about the inside, the NBA days, and uh, we also pick his brain a little bit on the uh, the current basketball playoff landscape, uh, the Knicks, his pick for uh, the finals matchup coming up in June. So a lot of great stuff covered with the one and only Kenny the Jet Smith. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the man who just came out with his own book and was in the news for some other things as well this week. We get to that right off the top. Enjoy it. Here is the chat with Kenny the Jet Smith. This is very exciting. We have one of the greatest basketball analysts of all time joining us. And now you can add soon-to-be New York Times bestselling author to that list as well. Uh, The book just came out this week. It's called Talk of Champions, Stories of the People Who Made Me by the great Kenny the Jet Smith. Of course, you know him from inside the NBA, TNT. You know him from the Houston Rockets. You know him from North Carolina. But now he is an author and he's kind enough to join us on the program today. Kenny, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it very much. Man, thanks for having me. Um, it is a pleasure. Great to talk to you for the first time. And if I can ask off the bat, you, you seem like a very smart guy. And if I can give you a great compliment right off the bat, you know, when you're in the news, even if it's like TMZ type news, when you have a book coming out, that seems like tremendous promotional work on your part. Was this all calculated, all this stuff that came out this week? Because I feel like that's a masterclass on your part, if so. <laughs> no, I, I wish I was that smart. I'll just tell you, you go to you go to you go to Miami, you stay on a beach. That's about all 
all you do. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't think that me being on a beach was news. <laughs> you go to all. Miami and you hang out on the beach and you have a book coming out like three days later. That's, that's inc- incredible. St- that's great timing. If so, someone's looking down on you. Uh, I, I guess there is. No question, man. No question. <laughs> are you shocked? I'm, I'm, I know you're doing a thousand interviews this week. What percentage of the interviews are about your photos on the beach? Um, I, I would say maybe just only like 15%. That's oh, all. Oh, that's you it? Know. Yeah, yeah. It's not, no. I, I mean, most people are, I mean, I, I, I like I said, I'm just shocked. There they was, well, I, I guess... 10,000 people on the beach that day. (laughs) It's not like unusual. So I don't know what's so unusual about that, but uh, I guess people find it interesting. I don't know. (laughs) Did you know that the guys would bring it up on the show? Because famously you have said there's no production meetings, right? You guys don't talk beforehand. I know. I I know. I had no idea. I mean, I know. I I, kind of figured if you're like, if one of us uh, says something that is, uh, um, you know, makes news outside of the show or does something that people would view as news outside the show, which is still hard for me to believe. Like I said, that me just walking on the beach is news, but um, I think I know something's going to happen or one of us are going to say something if it's in reverse. So I didn't know what was going to be said, but I know something's going to be said because it became news for some reason. (laughs) <laughs> right. Um, one last thing on that. You mentioned Shaq was with you, but I didn't see him in the photos. Was he like grabbing a drink or something? Oh well, he wasn't with me every every place. I oh, okay, was, all right. But he was with me. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't with me every place. But uh, we did go to Miami at the same time. How about that? <laughs> I love it. Um, wh- why? Why did you write this book now? Why did this make sense? Why did you? Why did you? Why did you write it? And also, it's a very unique book, um, which I would love for you to talk about. It's not just like you know, when I was eight, I did this. It's really talking about the people who have been in your life who have given you great advice. Um, and and boy, oh boy, have you been around some some legends. Why did you go with this format as well? Well, honestly, it initially it start when all of the uh, like my, uh, people have told me my whole like like oh you should write a book my whole life write a book write a book. And then I always thought I could write a good article, not a really a book about my life. Like, it'd be a great article. And then, you know, when the social injustice was going on heavy, you know, in our lifetime for the first time at such a rate, and then when George Floyd happened and the players uh, walked off from the Milwaukee Bucks, and I walked off the set and said I would, you know, join Solidarity with the players at that moment, uh, my literary agent called me and was like, you have a book. And I was like, really? Why? She said, why'd you walk off? And I said, well, I really walked off because not because of that moment, but all the people who made me end up and there it was, I was like, it wasn't, it was a collection of all the moments from Bill Russell, Dean Smith, Michael Jordan, which made me walk off at that moment around Charles, around Shaq. So everything was a collection of all of those people. And then I was like, wow, you know, there's stories that I use on my daily life from those people that I didn't realize that I use so frequently um, about sport, about business, about life, about raising kids, about culture. And so instead of making it a book about chapter one, two, three, four, I just named every chapter after them 
And I scared Charles and and and, and uh, Shaq when I told him I was writing a tell-all book. Huh. But I was, I was like, but it's a tell-all book about everything great I learned from them. And if I knew that at 20 years old, man, how my life would have been different, and you know, and how much knowledge I would have been able to bestow and do. So that's why I wrote it. And I was like, the people people around the world should know this and feel better about themselves, and probably know why they react in certain ways when things happen and positively in their life and how they get there. And they'd be like, oh, Michael Jordan does that. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, wow, Shaq does that. Oh, Dean Smith. And I think that's where I wrote it. I love it. And and I also love that you're doing it a little differently because it's, again, not just chapter one, two, three, four. If there was something that you could tell the 20-year-old version of you, perhaps something that someone told you later in life that has stuck with you, what is some advice that you would tell yourself as you were about to embark on this great basketball and then television career? Well, the first part would be knowing what my parents had told me, because it really starts with my mom and dad. You know, they bestowed the equality to listen in me. Uh, Being a listener is much more important because most of us want to get our opinion out. And being able to listen and hear what other people are going through and why they're going through gives you empathy. It may not always give you sympathy, but you always will understand, well, they have that perspective because their life has guided them that way. I understand it now. I understand the choices that are being made better. Uh, And so being a listener is the most important part about, I think, navigating your life because it it allows you to understand why others make decisions that could affect you. Uh, We'll never forget that episode of Inside the NBA when you walked off the set in August of 2020. And one thing that I learned while reading the book was that I think most people thought you left, like you, you literally left the building but you stayed in the back and waited for the show to be over so that you can talk to the guys because you didn't tell them beforehand that you were going to do this. Why did you feel the need to do that? Well, I, I did feel I needed to let them know that in that moment, I didn't, you know, I was making an individual choice. And when you're making an individual choice that you feel is uh, morally correct or socially correct, you don't ask for permission. You just do it. Uh, I had no idea in that moment I was going to do that. Um, everything, the reason I did it, honestly, is because the day felt too normal. It was, I walked into the studio, the, the security guard, hey, Kenny, let me in. The person who was at the gate coming in, uh, production people, hey, how you doing? And Ernie started the show like he started every other show. And I just felt it was too normal. But I stayed because I didn't. I felt that I could have, after hindsight, I was really going to walk off and walk out. And I said, maybe I blindsided them, but I wanted them to understand that if they, they wanted to participate in that, I could have given them opportunity. But I was making an individual choice, nothing to do with them. And, and I didn't make it an hour before I got there. I made it in that moment, and and that was it. So I wanted to stay to let them know that. It did seem like um, of of the entire crew, Charles was the one that was maybe a little bit bothered by it. Uh, how long did it take 
for you guys to clear the air on that? Uh, the next time I saw him. Oh, that was it. Okay, so you, you, <laughs> yeah, you guys no, don't hold I, grudges. I don't, we don't wait. No, we don't wait. On, I mean, I'm not gonna like, like it's like I said. They're they're like family members. Like you're you're. I have brothers, so I, I wouldn't say it's a brother, but it's very close to that. I see them just as much as my brother, and um, I'm not gonna let anything fester. I'm not that type of person, so. I'm going to directly answer in Charles the same way. And I, and, and I just let him know. I'm like, well, I, I didn't, I don't need permission when I'm doing something that I feel is socially or morally correct, or I'm not going to always know that I need to inform someone. I need to, I need to move in that moment because that moment could be gone. And so I, I, I didn't feel any way about him, uh, he thought he was blindsided at the moment, and he said, "Yeah, you could have told us." And he said it. He said it publicly, and I was like, "Well, I don't need permission in that in that respect when I feel I'm moving in in, a, in that direction." I think some people might say, "Oh, that, that was probably the toughest day of your TV career," but you guys have been on the air for you know two decades now, two decades plus, and you know you don't need me to say this to you, but you guys are the voice of the NBA. In my opinion, you're the greatest studio show in the history of American sports television. You're the gold standard. You're the moral compass of the NBA. And you've had to have some pretty tough shows. Uh, I can think of several just off the top of my head right now. What, in your opinion, was the toughest? Which one? Because, you know, there was obviously the Kobe, the post-Kobe death um, one, this one. You've had some really, really tough moments where you guys have been able to just nail it every single time, the right tone, the right responses, authentic, genuine. In your opinion, which was the toughest day at work? I don't think they're tough. I think they're emotional, mm-hmm. as you said. Um, with, like you said, the death of Kobe Bryant, you know, doing a show inside of the, the at that time, well, Crypto.com Arena, and no one's there, empty seats, and just a spotlight on his jersey. And we're doing a show, and we're bringing in all the Laker great past from past and present, and we've all had some type of relationship, some not as big as others, as like 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 Shaq, but the guy affected all of us, and so uh, just uh, I think all of those have been emotional shows. What makes it um, authentic, as you said, and you see it, is that again, you have to be a listener mm. because. You know, even when George Floyd happens, Shaquille O'Neal has a very military background. Uh, He's a law enforcement officer himself. So his reverence and viewpoint about police officers that he particularly deals with on a daily basis is much different from what I grew up in and, and did in Queens, New York. And so I have to have empathy for his possible reverence at times for law enforcement that I might not possess. And I have to have empathy for that. And so now when you're listening as a viewer, you're getting a, a different viewpoints and people are sitting next to each other who care about each other that might not always agree totally in the perspective of the way things are met. So that's what you see, I think, on our show. Do you remember the first time you were approached about being on Inside the NBA? Yes. Um, you know how I, I, 
even now at times we, we, we because of you know the new technology and, and with Zoom and everything, players don't come in particularly as much. But I, I know you're, you're old enough to know that we have players that come in particularly. They they'll, they'll come onto the show right. live. We used to every year have players come in live when they lost, and I was one of those players. And they asked me, "Hey, you know, if you ever want to do this for full time when you retire, you know, you'll be really good at it." I thought that was the parting gift that they said to uh-huh. everyone, like, "Hey, you know, you come on the show, you'll be great." And they had a, a gist that I would be, was going to retire, and um, they called me. And I was like, whoa, yeah, so let's do it. Let's try it. And um, that's how it started. It was a, a parting gift that I, that I thought they gave to everyone, but they actually said, no, we only gave that to you. <laughs> have you ever been super close to leaving? In the past, there have been some talks, you taking the GM job here, coaching, front office. Has there ever been a time where you were seriously considered leaving for one of those gigs? Yeah. Um, there were um, a couple of times um, that I was close. Um, honestly, uh, um, uh, with the Knicks was probably the closest. Being a New Yorker, you know, being having an opportunity to be, you know be part of the Knicks organization was uh, was probably my closest time, and it was getting close. You know, I, I was almost you know getting to the point where meaning oh, the ownership. And then the person who was hiring me got fired, like literally the week of. I was, they were supposed to bring me in to possibly fill out, figure out a deal. And um, that was the closest um, that I... Wait, was that with Phil Jackson or was that post-Phil Jackson? That was post-Phil Jackson. Okay, yeah. so who was the one that got fired? And, you know, without going through, you know, all of the, you know, it was close. I'll leave it as okay. That. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, and and you would have been at peace, like like if if it went through, you would have been at peace. You'd have taken the job. Yes, because it, it's it was the Knicks, and I'm a New York. It, it, it's like growing up in your hometown, and um, being the team you've rooted for your whole life, you're getting to be a part of. You know, mm. I think that would that would have been, you know, a different um, scenario. Is that something that you would still like to do before it's all said and done? Um, I think that if it's basketball, it's me. Um, how, however, um, I'm I'm super content in what I do, but I also know that my knowledge that I have is also applicable in a lot of different areas. So I have relationships with all almost every agent in the NBA. I have multiple uh, players that call me on a daily basis. Yo, I need, I'm working on my game. You know, what could I do differently? Um, I have uh, owners, presidents of team that I talk to on a daily. So, you know, I, I think that it, it could be a possibility, but it's not as um, like, forthright in my face as it right. used to be and and just curious coach or like front office job what interests you more 
in a, in a hypothetical world, like because two very different gigs, right? And very hard to do them. I think at the, yeah yeah yeah. I think at this point, because I, I I've gotten more relationships, it it actually tends to lead lead toward front office because mm-hmm. you know everyone. Like there's not a player. I would say half the NBA players either I've seen since they were in high school because of what I'm doing the AAU and college basketball, uh, every single agent, there's not an agent that, you know, hasn't run across me or had some type of interaction. There's not a, a owner general manager staff. That's not in that front office that either I helped like, Hey, you know, if you want this job, you should call this person, <laughs> you know, that job. You didn't. So I, I think it, like I said, that would probably be an easier move. Um, so, at, you know, at this point, you're on the air. Like I said, it's authentic. It's real. That's what people love about you guys. I'm wondering how you navigate this, because this is still something that I try to navigate myself and don't often do a great job. You have a great relationship with someone, whether it's a star player, a coach, GM, whatever, and you have to go on the air and you have to be critical of them. How do you, you know, how do you navigate the waters when that night, the next day you get the text and be like, yo, man, I can't believe you know, you said that, or, you know, I thought we were boys or this and that, because we've seen it publicly happen with Shaq and, and, and KD and Charles obviously is very critical as well. Um, and I think you do a great job of, you know, never offending, but being fair and, 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 you know, unbiased and, and truthful. But how do you deal with those situations if they ever come up? Well, with me, um, my rule of thumb is real simple. And you, everyone, you could have a, problem with being you know critical but that that would be the same way if you have a problem with coaching because i never question your passion your internal fortitude or your drive i'll never say oh he doesn't have the passion for the game i I can't measure that but i can say your ass don't get back on defense (laughs) and Mm -hmm. here it is boom and i run to the big board and i show you that you didn't run back and you and that, that you let the joker beat you up court when you have to be faster than the joker the joker would admit that he's you're not as fast as him so uh, like that he's not as fast as you so for me it's always about never questioning anything that i physically can't show that you're not performing at and if i do that i'm going to be critical but i'm going to back it up and you can't fool me because I know what the film, I know how to evaluate film. I think that's what I'm best at. I don't think anybody on television can evaluate the game on the film like I do. So you can't lie to me, brother. <laughs> so you can't lie. Okay, so along those lines, could I ask you this? We're speaking on Wednesday morning. Game five, Knicks Heat is this evening, Wednesday night. If you're in the locker room, if you're a member of the Knicks, and and you hear Julius Randle after game four saying maybe they want it more than us. Do you think that he is talking about himself or do you think he is talking about the rest of the team and trying to motivate them? Because I've seen both you know sides of the coin here where a lot of people are like, you're waving the white flag. Patrick Ewing would never say something like that. And I've seen some people say like, no, 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 he's just trying to like call out his teammates. How would you interpret a statement like that? I, I would say that as a team president if if he said us i would say well what does that mean and what are you going to do about it because quantify that quantify the fact that you feel 
that they're they want it more than you. Because one thing about again about that that's an internal feeling that is hard to measure. But if you quantify it, like if I tell you, "Hey, you're not working hard enough." You're like, "What do you mean? I'm working hard." Like, "No, cuz you could get off the court in 7 seconds, you're getting up in 9." So, here he is. You're not can you get up in 7? Are you hurt? So, I would ask them to quantify that. So, when he comes in the locker room, everybody's clear that we're all in this box together. And then if you're stepping out of this box by not doing what Julius thinks this is, or he's not doing it, we could hold you accountable and everybody else accountable. What do you mean? Because I have no idea what he means by that. Mm. Uh, one thing I love about the book, uh, a lot of great stories about MJ and everyone loves MJ stories. Uh, obviously, you were close friends, teammates at North Carolina. Um, and there's some great stuff about you on campus um, and, 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 and meeting him and, and how country he was and how New York you were. And it's just, it's just a fascinating read. So kudos on that. And thank you for sharing that. Uh, have you ever tried to mend the fences between MJ and Barkley or, or do you stay out of that? Well, you know, the last time that they were together I, and take, took a picture, I did it. The very last time. And I think there's a picture of it in the book. Um, I was in a, we were in a hotel in New York and I, I guess someone told Michael that I was in the, in the hotel restaurant area and he came in and he said, Hey, I heard you were down here. I went to say, what's up? So he says, and I was like, Charles is over here. And at the time that I said it, I, as I was saying it, I realized that they, you know, still had a little bit of a quirk going on. And I was like, hey, let's get a picture. And we take the picture. And so they talked for about five minutes. And then Michael came back, talked to me for more. And then he left. And then I realized, I was like, they hadn't talked in three years. I, just, I had realized that. But it wasn't until afterwards that I realized it was that long because I see him so much, Charles, and I we talk about Michael so much through basketball and through life. And I had obviously talked to Michael before. I didn't realize it had gone that long. And yes, I probably feel that I could do that because I understand both of them to some degree. I I understand Michael from a 17 to 21 age, year age, the right. vulnerable age of life. And I understand Charles now. So I understand why they are like they are in that sense. And, um, and it's, it's so fixable, but neither one of them will take the first step to fix it. And and by the way, how long ago was that that meeting where you took the photo? That was probably now five six years. That wow. was definitely pre COVID. Damn, that is crazy. Um, just uh, two more minutes with you, and appreciate the time very much. Can I just ask? And and obviously, you're a part of uh, TNT's coverage throughout the playoffs. Uh, TNT has second round coverage, and of course, Eastern Conference Finals coverage. You'll be a part of all of that. And looking forward to that very much. Um, does the NBA have a problem in this regard? You know, the regular season is long. It's 82 games. Then you have the play-in tournament. And 
some might say parity is good, but you know, you have eight seeds and seven seeds and teams that were 10 seeds and nine seeds now making these long runs. What's the point of the regular season when you can just get in and, you know, kind of save yourself and go on these long runs? Is that a problem? Or do you think that's a great thing because it says to the world, like anything can happen once the playoffs start? I think this is, this year is just uh, more like the NCAA. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even like it to um, saving yourself. I, I would like it into uh, free agency. The fact that players move so quickly, like Kevin Durant, you know, and, you know, moving and Mikael Bridges and all of these guys are just moving at such a fast pace because of free agency. When a guy is in his last year as a contract or in a contract dispute, it allows the freedom of movement, allows teams to like overnight be be in contention now. Hmm. Uh, and and I think that it has more to do with it, maybe with the exception of the Lakers, you know, when you have LeBron and AD who kind of have sa- not saved themselves or were hurt and came back. But everyone else, you know, Miami Heat weren't saving themselves. Hmm. They just got hot at the right time. <laughs> like, right. like they weren't saying they were playing. The uh, Jimmy Butler was playing a lot of games, Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo. And then they fall into, you know, these guys getting hurt and some other guys stepping up. Um, so I think that it's more NCAA tournament a little bit that year. But free agency has more to do with the parity than anything else, which I thought was going to be something bad, which is actually turning to be something good. Because there are six, six cities right now saying, we could win it all. Right. They really believe it. You know, they, like we could win it still with eight teams left. And when it started... There were probably eight cities saying, including like Milwaukee, that got bounced like, we could win it all. Very true. Uh, last thing, two two words. Who's playing in the finals? Denver. And I hate that, man. No, the, man, I I almost, I almost, it's hard for me to even say that, you know, with Denver. But they, to me, they're the most complete team. They are the most complete team. They don't have all the best players, but they are the most complete. And if I'm going off of that, I would say the most complete team. I still think the Boston Celtics are going to get there. Okay. Uh, We think alike. That's my pick as well. So I appreciate that very much. The book is called uh, Talk of Champions, Stories of the People Who Made Me by the Great Kenny Smith. Absolute legend. Massive honor for me to speak to you, Kenny. All the best. Congrats on all your success. Well done. On, on everything that you've accomplished, keeping it real, doing it, you know, your way. Well done on the pictures over the weekend as well. Well done on the book. Congratulations. And uh, keep doing your thing, my man. All right. Thank you. All right. That was great stuff. Like I said, inside the NBA, the best ever. And he's a big part of that as well. The chemistry is great. I'm envious of it as, as someone who has, uh, you know, had an opportunity to do some TV, the camaraderie, the the looseness of it all, just how they feed off each other. There's no ego. It's just, it's tremendous. Sometimes I've actually watched TNT just to watch inside the NBA, just to watch the halftime show, the post-game show, and not even watch the game. You go out of your way. It's must-see TV. And how many other shows can you say that about in this day and age or ever? 
to be honest. Go check out the book. It's great. It's called Talk of Champions, Stories of the People Who Made Me by the one and only Kenny Smith. It's a really fun read. It's a light read. And there's a lot of great anecdotes about some of the legends that he has been around for the last, you know, 40 plus years. Tremendous stuff. Appreciate his time very much and appreciate all of you very much who continue to support this show. Thank you so very much for continuing to download, follow, review, subscribe, comment, engage, all those things and more. Goes a long way. Trust me, it does. So thank you. Once again, thanks to the production team. Thanks to Kenny Smith. Thanks to all of you. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Enjoy the games this weekend. I'll talk to you next week.